Genesis chapter 45, and just thinking about what Christ did for us. When you think of that first song, they sang, it's still the blood. There's a lot that's changing in this world. Everywhere you look, there's things that are different. Even, uh, I'm only 26 years old, and, and 10, 15 years ago, things were, things were drastically different than what they are right now in 2022. But there's one thing that hasn't changed in over 2,000 years, and that is Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed at Calvary. That's the most consistent thing you'll ever find. But Genesis chapter 45, um, preacher talked about this this, this morning, was the, the word, needing the word of God. And the ways of God. And this evening, I want to preach a, a simple message. Just don't fall out by the way. Don't fall out by the way. Um, Genesis chapter 45, in verse number 24, it says, So he sent his brethren away, and they departed, and he said unto them, See that ye fall not out by the way. Brother Joe, will you pray for us tonight? Lord, I pray that you'd uh, anoint his lips with the Holy Ghost, Father, and the things that he studied. I pray you uh, bring them to fruition in his mind, help it to be, uh, Lord, uh, just flow through him to us. I pray that we would have ears to hear and hearts to listen, Father. And I ask that we would leave here just a little bit better than what we came, having been with you. So we ask you to bless this time now. Bless Brother Adam as he preaches, and we uh, look to forward to hearing from you tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 2 Thessalonians 2.3, you don't have to turn there, but it says that before the day of Christ, there will be a falling away. And uh, if you've been in this thing for any amount of time, you've, no you've noticed that there are people that used to be at this church or that used to be at another church or used to be um, in the Christian uh, fight and they're no longer here. They're no longer able to be found. Uh, but it says there's going to be a falling away in the last days. Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. There's going to be things that are going to be people that are, are going to fall out. And um, Joseph here is a he's a perfect type of Christ. There's here in uh, Genesis chapter 45. There's been a reunion with um, his brothers. And he's revealed himself to them, and he has some advice because Joseph, we're going we're gonna to look at some things about him throughout uh, the book of Genesis, but here he's been through some things. Amen? Joseph has, Joseph has experienced things that uh, his brothers haven't, and he has some advice for them as he's sending them back to go get, uh, go get Jacob. And he says, see that you fall not out by the way. And tonight, I don't want to fall out. Amen. If you're saved in here today and you want to serve Jesus Christ, that should be a desire. I don't want to fall out. I don't want to be a casualty. I don't want to. I, I, I want to be found faithful when Jesus Christ comes back. I was uh, I, I was thinking about the other day. Um, I, I had been lazy pretty much the whole day. It was my day off and I had just decided to start doing the dishes. And that's when Jesse pulled in. And there's, <laughs> and you know, she comes in, I'm doing the dishes like, oh, hey, babe. <laughs> yep, just getting all this work done. But in reality, I didn't, I didn't really do anything that whole day. <laughs> but, uh, but when Jesus Christ comes back, it would be a good thing to, for him to find us doing something. And not just, oh, I'm, oh he's coming back soon, I'm going to do something real quick. No, do it, do it consistently. Do it consistently. And... Um, you know, there, there's nothing like your wife being happy when she comes home and the house is clean. 
Amen? There's nothing like it. <laughs> um, but, but there's some things that um, are going to happen in your life. And, and go, go over to Genesis chapter 37. Don't fall out by the way. Don't fall out by the way. Uh, we have camp coming up. And there's, there's going to be kids there that they're going to expect to see us. There, there's going to be people that have been to camp, that have been doing this thing for 8, 9, 10 years. Um, and they're going to come there. And they're going to expect to see those same people there. And that's going to be an encouragement to them. Why? Because we haven't fallen out. We haven't fallen out. You know what's a blessing to see, Brother Joe? I remember when we went to youth camp in like 2010 or 2011 out in Missouri. And that was, you know, that was, that was 12 years ago. And he's still here. Amen? Their pastor's still here after over 40 years of being saved. And if it wasn't for him staying by the stuff and not falling out by the way, this church might not be here. Don't fall out by the way. The first thing I want you to notice is don't be defeated by your circumstances. In Genesis chapter number 37, don't be defeated by your circumstances. In verse number 24, it says, And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And uh, might I say that, that Joseph finds himself here in the pit, and he has not done anything wrong. Amen? There is, there is nothing that Joseph did that he deserved that pit. But um, we, we, uh, we find in, earlier in the passage that uh, Joseph was favored by, uh, by his dad, and, uh, and he gave him a coat of many colors, and he, he, favored, he favored Joseph. It says that he was the child in his, uh, in his old age. And he favored him. He gave him that coat of many colors, and, and uh, his brothers took notice of that. And his brothers got jealous of him. And um, his brothers decided one day they were going to, you know, after, after, you know, they said, Behold, the dreamer cometh. And he tells them about the dreams of, of the, the sheaves, and uh, he, they're bowing down, giving cadence to him. And uh, then he tells them about the, the sun and the moon, and, and uh, all the stars were bowing down to him in, in the dream. And, and that made him mad. That, it's not Joseph's fault for having those dreams. Right? There's, there's nothing wrong that he did, but he still finds himself in a pit. Might I say tonight, we could find ourselves in pits in the Christian life. And what we got to realize is we cannot be defeated by those circumstances. There's things that are going to happen. He didn't do anything wrong. There wasn't anything that he did that, that, like I said, that he deserved that pit. He never suggested that someone else is more deserving of the pit. Maybe his brothers were a little bit more deserving of that. Maybe they deserve to, to, to suffer a little bit, but he, you never see Joseph complaining. Amen? You never see him uh, get, getting on to, you know, why, why me, Lord? Why is this happening to me? And sometimes the pit is created because of the uh, false expectations of the Christian life and what it should be. Sometimes things happen, we get, you know, we get saved and you've heard it before. You get that mountaintop experience and you get, you get excited and you think that everything, everything's just going to fall. The stars are going to align for you. Everything's going to go good. And sometimes it doesn't go that way. Sometimes, sometimes things happen in your life that you can't, uh, you can't explain it. And sometimes things happen that, that you, you know, just like uh, Job, uh, his three friends tried to comfort him. They, they couldn't comfort him. 
They, they tried to think of every, you know, Job, you must have done something wrong. You must have sinned here. You must have done this. You must have, but they didn't realize that God was behind everything. He wasn't, he wasn't necessarily deserving of the pit. Go to, go to Philippians chapter 1. And I won't be too long tonight. I know we have the meeting, and, but uh, I, I think this is important. I think it's important that we get this because it, just because Anchor Baptist Church is a great church doesn't mean it's going to be a great church tomorrow, right? Just because you're, you're living the Christian life today does not mean you're going to be living the Christian life tomorrow. There's no guarantee that you'll, you'll be in it a year from now. But, but you gotta, there's some things that you've got to watch out for that you don't fall out by the way because it's real easy to do. It's real easy to fall out, by the way. There's some suffering going on. Uh, Philippians chapter 1. And go ahead and look at, um, look at verse number 28. It says, And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake having the same conflict which he saw in me and now here to be in me. And um, go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It's talking about suffering. And he says here that suffering, it says, uh, verse number 28, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation. Sometimes evidence of salvation in your life uh, that you've been saved is that saved people suffer. Saved people go through things. Um, 2 Corinthians, and, and I heard a, uh, someone sent me a message the other day that uh, was talking about marriage and, and uh, that it was, there were, there were three uh, rings of marriage. You have, you have the engagement ring, you have the wedding ring, and then you have the suffering. And, uh, and you know, that's obviously not true, to, you know, for me at least. But, uh, <laughs> but, but no, there, there's going to be suffering in the Christian life. There's going to be things that happen that you, you, just can't, you just can't explain. You just can't wrap your finger around it. You can't, uh, can't grasp it. But uh, for, or, uh, 2 Corinthians, if I could get there, chapter number 1. You might ask, well, why do, why do we suffer? Why do we go through things? And, you know, like, like I said, he, he couldn't see, Joseph couldn't see the palace from the pit. Joseph couldn't see the thing, what he was going to become, but he had to learn to trust in God, and that's what we're going to have to do. If we want to stay in it, we have to learn to trust that God is right in everything that he does, in all his ways. When you got saved, you got put onto that path. You, you're, you're, going, you're going a direction. The way of the Lord is right. There's a, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There's, there's many ways you could take, but Jesus Christ said, I am the way the truth, and the life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3, it says, uh, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in our tribulation, that we might be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. 
For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. Maybe, maybe you, you find yourself in a place, in a pit, uh, because one day there's going to be someone else that's in that same exact pit, and you're going to be able to comfort them. And God's going to be able to use your testimony or use something that, that, that is familiar with that person who's suffering at the time and be able to help them and console them and, and be with them. And uh, it's a blessing to be, to be used by God. It's a blessing to be able to, to go to someone and they say, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can make it through this. This is what's going on. And, and you've just caught out of that, that trial or that tribulation. And you're like, man, I, I know exactly how you feel. And uh, the problem is, is that uh, you throw Romans 8.28 on it and say, oh, all things work for, together for good. You just tell them that. Oh, you know, if someone died, oh, all things work together for good. That doesn't work all the time. You, you shouldn't, you know, you know, that's a great verse and that's a comforting verse, but that, you know, there's a time and a place where, you, where that verse, you, know, you don't want to be spitting that out at someone that's suffering. And sometimes just the fact that you're there for someone, that's it. That's enough. And, um, you know, I remember when, uh, when I was younger, I, I was playing soccer. I got pushed down a certain way, broke my back in four places. And uh, I'm not going to lie, I, I, I got bitter about that. You know, Lord, why, why is this happening to me? I'm only, what, 13, 14 years old and going through this. And it's real easy to get mad and get upset. You know, and I've, I've met some people, you know, Sam Gipp read his book on living with pain. That helped me. That helped me. You go through, you go through some stuff like that, and there's someone else that goes through it, and they understand uh, you know, they just say, oh, oh, yeah, I bet, I bet that hurt, yeah. But, you know, you never felt that pain. But until you feel that pain, you'll, you'll start to get uh, empathetic towards other people, and, you'll, and the Lord will really use that and use, that, use those things that have happened to you. There were godly men in the Bible who suffered. You look at, you look at almost anyone in this Bible. Look at the Apostle Paul, the greatest, one of the greatest Christians to ever live. He suffered. The Lord told him... Uh, you know, I'll show you the things that you must suffer for my name. There are some things that he was going to go through. There's people in the Bible that even got weary. You know, in Daniel chapter 7, I believe it is, um, it says that Satan or the devil, he's, he, he tries to uh, wear out the saints. And that's exactly what he's doing today. He's wearing out the saints. He's getting them to, uh, he's getting them to think about the, the conditions that they're in and get, get them all discouraged. But you look at, look at Elijah, and everything that happened up to the point where he's sitting under the juniper tree. He had called down fire from heaven. God showed up you know, against the prophets of Baal, and, and that was a great victory, right? That was a great thing that happened in Elijah's, in Elijah's life. And right after that, Jezebel said, by this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. And he ran off, and he was, he was, he said, I, it is enough. Let me die. I, I'm no, I'm no better than my father's. Uh, just, I, I'm ready to quit. I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to throw in the towel. And there's things that happen in your life that it's going to get you to think that way. And, you know, God was merciful on Elijah. And, and he didn't, he didn't rebuke him. He, he comforted him. And, uh, you know, he was, he was ready to quit. You look at the, he, he was a great uh, godly person in the Bible. And he was ready to quit. 
he was ready to quit. He was ready to give up. You know, we look at, uh, we, we look at current situations, circumstances with our, with our finances. We look at certain situations with the gas prices that are going up. We look at the war in Ukraine. We look at everything. We, we allow these things to infiltrate and get into our minds. And, and that's going to get some people out. People are going to fall out because of those things. And I hope that no one in here does. I hope that we're, we're strong enough in the, in the faith that, um, that we're not going to let those things bother us. But the fact of the matter is, is anything in here could bother us. It doesn't matter what it is. Amen. It's your flesh. You can't predict what your flesh is going to do. You might be, you might be a strong Christian and, and, and be able to resist things today. And tomorrow it might be a whole other story. But you need Jesus Christ. Amen. You need him in your life. But a lot of times we will let those circumstances turn into to griping and complaining. I've noticed in my own life that I complain way more than I ought to. I find, you know, we find ourselves complaining about the weather. You know, it's always too hot or it's always too cold. Or, you know, this is, this is going on. Why is this happening? Why, why are you making this for dinner? <laughs> you know, what? <laughs> but in all reality, we have it good. God has been good to us. God has been good to this church. And, um, he, he, and, and the thing is, is he understands what we're going through. The Bible says that we have not a great high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Everything that you've, you've felt, any kind of pressure, any kind of temptation uh, that you felt, God has been through that. Jesus Christ has been through that. The Bible says that he became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. I was thinking of a, um, a preacher that was telling a story about when he was a kid. He lived in a rural area and he had a dog. And uh, it was, I believe it was a golden retriever. And that golden retriever was across the, across the road a little ways. And uh, the boy, uh, preacher at the time when he was a young boy, called him, called him over. And that dog came and got hit by a car. Died. But you, th- you think about that story, as, as sad as it is, that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. Because that dog was just being obedient. That dog was loyal. And that dog was going across the street and ended up dying because it was being obedient to his master. And what Jesus Christ did is he became obedient unto death when he saw us in our condition, right? He saw we were sinners. He saw that we were in need of a Savior. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to die for them. And the problem is, is, is we don't make it personal. We say, yeah... You know, Jesus Christ died, uh, died for the sins of the world. No, you've got, you got to make it personal to you. He died for you. If, it, if there was no one else on the face of this planet, you're the one that hung him on that cross. You realize that. That was, that was me that hung him on that cross. That was my sin that he took upon himself. And he became obedient unto death. He said, you know what, I'll go, just like the song says. And he shed his blood for our sins. You ought never, never to forget that. But don't be defeated by your circumstances. Um, I was thinking about uh, me and me and Jesse. We uh, flew out for the first time to Florida. Um, we we had flown before, but it was always with people, and they, those people knew what they were doing. But <laughs> and me and Jesse had no no idea really what we were doing at the airport. And we went we went over to the Cincinnati airport, and. Uh, we, you know, those uh, CVG tickets that you get um, for the parking garages, mine had some numbers on it, and I, I could have swore, it, it said Section C, 
And then we went up and, and had some other numbers on it, so I thought the parking space had a number. We were looking for almost an hour for this parking space that didn't exist. And um, we, I ended up just going to a random spot. I'm like, I don't care if I get, get the car towed. We just got to get out of here. And so we get up, we get up to the baggage, um, to baggage claim to, to uh, bring our, get it weighed and all that stuff. And they're like, oh, sorry, this is closed. We're not going to be able to uh, take the bags. Um, you might be able to make it to where they could take it on, on the plane, but you know, it, you know, they're, they're leaving in like 40 minutes. And so me and Jesse start booking it. And this, if you've ever been to the Cincinnati airport, it's a pretty big airport. And uh, we, start running through this, <laughs> we start running through this airport. I'm, I'm dragging this thing, and one of the wheels breaks on the, on the uh, luggage. And uh, so I'm dragging this thing. I'm literally, Jesse's like probably half a mile ahead of me. And I'm dragging this thing, running as fast as I can. I had to stop at one point because the, the, those uh, really cool um, conveyor belts on there, they were broke, of course, on that day. Um, so I had to stop and I was dry heaving <laughs> because I was just, I was getting to the point where like, okay, this, like, I'm out of shape for one. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're, we're going through this thing. And so, all, you know, this, this bag's getting heavy, so I just decided to pick the thing up, and I'm running. I'm moving past people. I'm knocking old ladies over. <laughs> I, I'm going through, you know, they're, they're going up the escalator, and I'm, like, uh, you know, bu bumping them out of the way. It's way against my element. I, I hate, like, doing that kind of stuff. But, uh, but we had to get to that plane. And um, so we were running through, and then we get to uh, the great TSA part of it, um, and we, we blew through TSA. We were cutting people, and it felt great. Um, <laughs> and so we, we ran all the way down to the gate, and they had just closed that door. And um, that was the most terrible feeling, especially when you could see that that, that little um, track that they, they pull up to the plane where you could walk the little uh, thing you walk across, that was still attached to the plane. And this lady's, this lady's on there, it was like that movie, don't ever watch this movie, but it was, uh, uh, I think, Meet the Parents or something like that, where the lady's on the computer, and she's just like typing it, you know, a million miles an hour, like she, she's being really rude. And I felt like I was in that movie, I'm like, she's just typing away, I'm like, hey, is there any way we could get on the plane, we need, you know, oh no, sorry, can't do anything about it, door's already closed. Really? <laughs> like, and we, we sat there for another 20 minutes watching that, that whole track still attached to the plane, and they wouldn't let us on the plane. And uh, Jesse started to cry a little bit and get upset, and I don't, I don't blame her for it. But that, that was disappointing. That, that, you know, and, and at that point, we could have either gone back to, to the house, just canceled the trip, or, all right, let's just wait another six hours and, and just get the flight rebooked. And that was the circumstance that we had. There was nothing, nothing more I can do. There, it was out of my control. And sometimes there's things that are just out of your control that happen in the Christian life that you can't, there's nothing else you can do. And uh, you know what? We ended up, we still got to Florida. But it wasn't the way that we wanted to get to Florida. But we still got there. And uh, that's, that's how you should treat the Christian life. Don't get defeated by your circumstances. God, God will always make a way if that's what he wants you to do. Um, secondly, go to Genesis chapter number 39. 
Don't fall out by the way. Genesis chapter number 39. Don't be defeated by your circumstances. Secondly, don't get defiled by the carnal. Don't get defiled by the carnal. We now find that Joseph is facing a, a you could call it a mountaintop experience. He's starting to prosper in Genesis chapter 39 and verse number three. It says, and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. He's now went from the pit. He, he's, still in, he's still in slavery under uh, Potiphar, but Potiphar's a good master and Potiphar was good to Joseph. And Joseph, uh, you know, went, went to work from eight to five and he was doing everything he could for, the, for his master. And it says that he, he got, the Lord made all that he did to prosper. And he was doing good. And Joseph's on top of things now. But then it says in verse number 7, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said, Lie with me. But he refused. And said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath into my hand. And there is none greater in this house than I, uh, neither hath he kept back anything from me uh, but, but thee, because thou art his wife. How then could I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spake unto Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her, or to be with her. And might I say, don't get defiled by the carnal. If Joseph would have, uh, Joseph uh, would not have made it to the palace if he had given into this temptation right here. And there's things that God has for us out there, but there, there's going to be uh, fleshly things. There's going to be carnal things that come into our lives that will tempt us and that will try us. And if we yield to those temptations and we yield to that sin and we yield to the carnality, there's, God's, we're not going to be able to get where God wants us to go when he wants us to go there. Joseph wouldn't have made it to that palace. Can I say this about carnality? It's prevalent. Carnality is prevalent. Everywhere you look, you walk out these doors and there's, there's carnal things that are going to be out there. You look, on your, you look on this cell phone, there's going to be carnal things all over it. You look at, you, you look at everything that's going on. We, when we were in Florida, never go to, never go to uh, Disney Springs in June during Pride Month. I, we learned that. Amen? Never go to Disney Springs um, or Disney or anywhere really during Pride Month. But, uh, but we went there, and there were, there were those flags everywhere, and there were all these certain things. There were, you could ask Jesse, if there was a store that had a, we support this on there, we're not going in there. I'm not, and I was just, I was mad the whole time we were there, <laughs> the whole time we were at that, at that place, um, just because it, it's, it's everywhere. It's prevalent. Carnality's everywhere. You see, it's not just, it's not just uh, uh, that particular lifestyle. It's just how people dress. It's how the, the music, it's every, everything that goes on. It's, there, there's so many things that are, that are carnal, and it's everywhere, and it's prevalent. Um, it's also persistent. You look back in, in verse number, uh, let me see here. Verse number 10, it says that she came and spake to Joseph day by day. Potiphar's wife didn't come to him one time and say, lie with me, and, and he, he said no, and that was the end of it. It says that she did it 
day by day by day by day. And that's exactly how, how the things of this world is going to get you to fall out by the way. It's not going to be just one time. It's going to be one thing after another thing after another thing. And you're going to have, that's why Paul said, I die daily. Amen? That's exactly why he said that, because he knew that in his flesh dwelled no good thing. And you ought to realize that about yourself before you fall. It says, take heed lest you fall. Go over to uh, 2 Peter chapter 2. Keep your finger there in Genesis. Second Peter chapter 2, verse number 7. It says, And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul, see that from day to day, with their unlawful deeds. And the Bible calls Lot just. And uh, you look at Lot, but he, he, he ended up losing his testimony. Not all of his family made it out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Why was that? Because he got vexed so much that he, he wasn't any longer the, the godly man that he should have been. It doesn't, it doesn't ever say that he partook in the things that they did. And if, he, if it does, then, then correct me after this. But I didn't, I didn't see anywhere where it says that he was actually performing those acts and doing those things that they were doing in Sodom and Gomorrah. It said that, um, it said that in seeing and hearing, it vexed him. And it caused him to lose his testimony, not because he was doing those things, but because he was no different than those people. He was not set out. It says that he sat in the gate, and I forget what, what uh, passage that was, but he sat there with them, and he allowed those things to happen. And he allowed those things to, uh, he, he allowed his eye, those things to go before his eyes, and he allowed the, all the talk of the filthy conversation, and you've been here long enough to know that it's not just in conversation with your mouth, but in conversation being a way of life and how they were living. And it, and it, it got to a point where it didn't bother him anymore. And that's how we get with Christianity sometimes is, is all these things are out and the devil uses, it's, it calls, calls it the devil's devices. Be not ignorant of his devices. And he'll use those devices to vex your righteous soul. You might not be doing those things. You might not be out there uh, living in that wickedness, but you might be uh, allowing things to come into your, into your heart and come into your eyes, come into your ears, and you're hearing things that you shouldn't be hearing, and you're watching things that you shouldn't be watching, and all of a sudden, church doesn't mean as much anymore. You're going to fall out by the way. You're going to fall out. Don't be defiled by the carnal. It's prevalent, it's everywhere, it's persistent, it's going to attack you day by day. And it's not a hobby horse on social media, but you, you, you can't deny that social media has a bunch of carnality on it. And every day you have TikTok, and you have Instagram, and you have Facebook, and you have Snapchat, and you have all these images. It's all about images and music and all these uh, uh, cuss, cussing and vulgarity and all these things that are going on on social media platforms. And I'm not saying that those are that, that you should just uh, throw it away today, which you might, it might be useful for you to do that. 
But what I'm saying is, is if you, if you allow that to infiltrate your mind and, and you don't have this thing inside, if you don't have the Bible inside of you and you're not reading the Bible on a daily basis and letting the by, washing of the water by the word of God cleanse you day by day, and then you're going to fall out by the way eventually. Don't get defiled by the carnal. There was a, uh, when I was working at an actual member center for Chick, or not Chick-fil-A, for uh, Wright Pat. Um, they, I ended up being promoted to a financial coach and got put into uh, the only office with a speaker in it. And um, it was blaring music that my flesh really liked. And every day I had to sit in there and listen, and that music was playing on a, on a loop every day. And... Um, it got to a point, you know, and you, you deal with pe- vulgarity and, and you deal with, with the, you know, the people with the, that have the mouth and, and have, uh, you know, just filthy language and things like that. But it, it got to a point where it was starting to vex me. You ever get to a point where you hear a cuss word and you don't really think about it anymore? Didn't say you were cussing, but you hear it. And all of a sudden, you kind of numb. Kind of numb to it. Doesn't really sting as much as it used to. You see things that shouldn't see, and all of a sudden, eh, you know, didn't really bother me that much. Then you justify it, then you keep watching it, and that's how, that's how you fall out. You might not fall out right now, but you will. You let the world will chip away at you. Then, like I said before, until church, church doesn't matter anymore. Church should be the most important thing in your life. Amen. Because you come here to get away from that. You come here to to get preached at. And you and and I noticed the last two messages this morning and then last Sunday night. It was, you could, you could feel some tension and it wasn't, you know, it's not because this is a, this is a terrible church or anything like that. It's a great church, but sometimes when they're preaching truth and when pastor gets up here and he's talking, he's preaching from the Bible and it's like, oh man, like that, that kind of stings a little bit. And instead of saying, you know what, maybe that's the Holy Spirit talking to me. Maybe that's God trying to show me something and reveal something about myself. We say, eh, he's just on a hobby horse. He's just on a hobby horse. That's not for me. That's for so-and-so. And And if so-and-so were here, this would be the message for them. You ever hear people talk about, ever hear people pray and pray that, you know, I hope there's someone in here that would get something from the message instead of praying I want something from the message. Give me something from the message. And, and we, we, we got to get away from that. Got to get away from that. Don't be defiled by the carnal. Don't be disappointed and uh, defeated by your circumstances. Number three, go back to Genesis chapter 40. Genesis chapter 40, don't get disappointed with the crowd. 
Don't get disappointed with the crowd. Genesis chapter 40, verse number 23. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forget him. And by the crowd, I mean Christians. There's going to be people that disappoint you. And it's the expectations of the brethren. You, hear, you have here Joseph, you know the story, he interprets the dream for the butler and the baker. And uh, he, t- he asked the, he asked the uh, butler, the chief butler, please don't, don't forget me, remember me when you get out of here, when you go to Pharaoh, and tell him. And uh, he said, I'll, I'll do that. I'll, ma- I'll make sure that he gets you out of here. And, and he's in prison now. He's gone, from, he's gone from the pit. He's gone to prosperity, back into prison. That's the Christian life. It's a roller coaster ride. And, um, but, but it says that the chief butler did not remember him but forgot him. That's, that's disappointing. You know, he's expecting, hey, th- this guy's going to get me out. I, I interpreted his dream. I helped this guy. And he turns around and stabs me in the back, doesn't even remember I exist. And we get that way with the brethren sometimes. The brethren are the, this crowd is the, the best crowd that I've ever been around in my life. And I wouldn't want to be around, and my best friends are in this church or they're in other Bible-believing churches. Nowhere else. I might have acquaintances here and there outside of that, but these are my friends. This is, this is my family. And sometimes we have expectations of the brethren that we shouldn't have. We expect, oh, the, you know, the, the, especially in a smaller church, there's going to be things, you're going to notice uh, um, little things here and there with, with the brethren. Little flaws here and there. Little uh, chinks in the armor. And uh, like the saying goes, familiarity breeds contempt. That's true. You get around someone for so long, you start to notice their inconsistencies. You start to see things, well, why, why is he not coming to church? Why is so-and-so not doing this? Why, is, why are they doing it this way? Don't get disappointed with the crowd. Sometimes we can get overcritical. I've been there. Ever find yourself just blasting someone on high for just, just you know, they're not spiritual. They're not living how I think they should live. They're not living up to my standards, although I'm not even living up to my standards. And we get so critical that you could tell someone's spirituality by how they criticize someone. If you're, if you're constantly, I guarantee, if you were to take that criticism that you have for a brother or sister in Christ, you're always, you're, you're always talking negative about them, you're, or him or her, and you're always just, just blasting them. Have you ever tried praying for them? I guarantee that criticism would go away if you prayed for them every day. I've noticed that in my own life. There are people I've had problems with, and the Lord's like, well, are you praying for them? Or are you just going to talk about them? until they fall out. Because we need each other. We need each other in this church. Why? Because there's going to be times where there's, there's a brother or sister in Christ that they're, they're falling out by the way. And you could be there to help them get back in the way. You hear the story, you know the story of the Good Samaritan? 
where he fell, it says that he fell by the way and was wounded. And uh, the Good Samaritan, a type of Jesus Christ, comes down and sees him where he is. And it says that he pours oil and wine on him, a really good type of the, the blood of Jesus Christ, the wine and the Holy Spirit, that oil. And it says that he puts him on his own beast and he takes him into the, takes him into the inn, which is a type of the local church. And he says, take care of him while I'm away. That's what we need to be. A lot of times we, we think, you know, we're, we're Christians. This, this church should be an armory. When in reality, it should also be an infirmary. It should also be a place where people could come and they could get help. Because there's going to be all sorts of things that will try to get you out of the way. Um, has anyone seen that movie, Facing the Giants, before? You remember that scene in there where he does the, the coach makes one of his teammates do the, uh, the death crawl. And he, it's where, uh, you know, another man about his weight gets on, on his back on top of the other guy, and he has to crawl across that football field. And uh, he can't, his knees can't touch the ground. And he has to crawl as long as he can. And it was just, every time I watched that scene, and I, I haven't seen it in years, but every time I had seen that, that, that excites me. Because it shows that coach, and he's, he's only expecting to get to maybe the 60-yard 60, 60 line at the most, and uh, he's blindfolded at the same time. And he's going, and that coach is on the ground with him, just hitting the ground, just 10 more, 10 more, 10 more, 10 more. And, you know, he, he thinks he's going to give up, and finally he just collapses, and he's in the other end zone. And that's how we ought to be with the brothers and sisters in this church and in our lives. We just got to just keep going. Ten more. Ten more. Encourage someone. Go back to Genesis 45. I'll wrap it up. Don't get overcritical. Sometimes there's going to be things that we do because we're human. There's going to be things that I do that annoy people. There's going to be things that you do that can annoy people. But you've got to learn that, you know, it, it's, we're all in this together. And there, there was someone that, that came by the church. Uh, I was out, out mowing, and this guy peels in the parking lot in this black pickup truck. He gets out, and he's like, do you know so-and-so? I'm like, yeah, I know him. He's like, does he go to this church? Yeah, he does. He's like, how, well, how, how could a church allow someone like that in here after he's done this and this and this and this? And, and, and you're, you know, he just, he's just blasting, blasting the church. Uh, just, yell, you know, I don't want anything to do with, with, uh, with, with um, church. I don't want anything to do with, uh, with the Bible if that's who you're letting in this church. And um, I'm like, well, I, I didn't know any of those things, but. I know that that person's not like that today. Amen? And uh, a lot of times we just get so focused in on what someone used to do or used to be. I called that person right after he left and said, hey, this person wasn't too happy with you. Said you were doing this and this and this. And he's like, hey, he's not wrong. I used to do that. Not anymore. Don't, don't be overcritical. 
don't let those, don't let those thoughts get into your mind. Because, but by the grace of God. But by the grace of God. You know what the problem is? With Christians who were born in, in church, raised in church, is it doesn't mean as much to them as someone who might have been out in the world 20, 30 years before they got saved. And you wonder why it seems more real. It's because everything, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing young Christians today, but I'm saying you ought, to, you ought to be thankful for what God's done for you because the thing is, is he saved you the same way that he saved someone that's been out for 30, 40, 50 years in the world and just get saved. And everything's been handed to you on a silver platter. And you've gotten everything handed down to you. And you, have, you, you, you know things in the Bible. You understand doctrine. You understand uh, things in the church and how things should be running and all those, all those different things. But you're not grateful for what God has done for you and what God has uh, done for your life. And you ask anyone in here that got saved later in life, they would love to switch places with you. And get saved at 7, 8, 9, 10 years old. And have a life uh, that is pleasing to God uh, throughout their teenage years. And serve God while they're, while they're young, in their youth. And we throw it away. you got to be thankful for what God's done for you. Consider God's design for your life. Genesis chapter 45. you want to stay by the way, you're going to need to learn to forgive. And you're going to need to learn to trust God. But it says in Genesis chapter 45, verse 5, Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. And in another passage he says, it, God, you meant this evil to me. But God meant it for good. To save some people, to save you guys, to, to help feed you during this famine. And, and now Joseph is starting to see the big picture. And it's, it's a blessing when you get to the end of the trial or the tribulation that you're in. And God reveals, hey, this is exactly why I did this here. And this is why you're in the pit. And this is why you prospered here. And then you went back to the prison. But now you're in the palace and you could see things afar off and be like, man, God, thank you. Thank you for taking me from, from this pit all the way out here to the palace. And sometimes the palace might not come until we reach glory. Sometimes we're not going to see every single thing about the Christian life, why God did exactly what he did, but we can know that he's not going to fail us. Like the song they sang, farther on, still go farther. Count the milestones one by one. Jesus will forsake you Never. I've never known a time where he's forsaken me at all. Consider that for your life. Tonight, maybe you find yourself in a state of falling out. By the way, and you know what, tonight, you need to be honest. Instead of having this persona, this pride about you, ah, I'm fine, I'll be okay, it'll be all right, and God's trying to deal with you, weak, and not just for this message, but for weeks, he's been trying to deal with you. 
and you've been ignoring him. Maybe you find yourself, man, man, there's some things that's going on in my life I need to, I need to check. I, um, and in closing here, I went to the doctor's appointment. Uh, I finally was able to get my blood work done. I was so afraid that something was going to be wrong with my blood work that I never did it. But I finally went there, and, um, you know, I got my test results back, and everything was all whacked out. And the doctor, you know, went to the office, and the doctor's going through each, each test and saying, you know what, these levels are really high. These levels are way too low. These are, these are all crazy. And this could happen if you continue down this, down this lifestyle, you know, your diet and everything, and, and little, little exercise. Um, but this could happen, and, and you know, it was, it was a couple serious things that could happen if, if I continued that. But, but she said, nothing, nothing on this list is irreversible. And you think about that, where um, you're getting ready to fall out by the way, and there's some things that are going on in your life that if you don't change now, not tomorrow, not next week, not don't wait for youth, youth camp. Because that's what we like to do. We like to wait for these big meetings. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's not a guarantee you'll make it to that. But might I say tonight that if you're falling out, by the way, it's not irreversible. You could get back on the way. Yeah. Amen. There's grace for you. God's not done with you. And, um, you know, you just got to get back, get back to where you're, serve, you're, you're in fellowship with God, where you're walking with God on a daily basis. You're responding to preaching. You're responding to teaching. You're responding to the things that God is putting in your life on a daily basis. Let's go ahead and bow. Prayer. Lord, I don't want to fall out by the way. Lord, and I don't want to see anyone in this church fall out by the way. God, I pray that if there's anyone in here that, Lord, is, is on the brink of that, Lord, I pray you'd help them tonight. Lord, I pray that if they're too scared, Lord, help them to get, get another brother or sister and, and ask them to pray with them, Lord. Help them to get this thing right. Lord, help us to not fall out by the way. Lord, help us to not be disappointed by our circumstances, Lord, defeated by our circumstances. Lord, help us not to be defiled by the carnal. Lord, there's going to be things in this life that, that are hitting us at every angle. Lord, I pray you'd please help us to resist those things, Lord, and flee those things. Lord, we need your strength tonight. Lord, I, I pray most importantly, Lord, you just help us to stay faithful until you return. Lord, I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Three fifty six, hymn number three fifty six tonight. <clears throat>